Have you noticed how increasingly infatuated our culture is with the devil while it simultaneously rejects the reality of Christ? If you haven't noticed, I'm guessing you're either Amish or you're living off the grid somewhere, and and good for you, I guess. But it's worth talking about because, as Paul told the Ephesian believers, we should not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness but instead even expose them. And he also said this because he would later say that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, this is something we really need to talk about because it is the battle we find ourselves a part of whether we like it or not. And the word of the Lord tells us to call these things out, these things of of the devil, and not only to expose them, but to mock them and scorn them. Martin Luther once said, the best way to drive out the devil, if he will not yield to texts of scripture, is to jeer and flout him, for he cannot bear scorn. St. Thomas More said something similar, the devil that proud spirit cannot endure to be, mar- to be mocked. For all those infatuated, there are only three kinds of people. The first are those who truly fantasize and possibly even worship Satan. The second are the most obvious, but they're mostly displaying a, a faux infatuation for attention and clicks and likes and plays. And the third are those who start as the second and end as the first. I'm Blake Watson, and this is We the Free. We just launched a merch store on wethefreeshow.com. Just in time for the holiday season, there are several shirts like the classic We The Free crest tee and others like the Salt and Light shirt, the God Bless America shirt, and a special one just for you, the freebie shirt. There are even some quality coffee mugs with similar designs, a We The Free logo sticker, and a Smells Like Freedom candle. Yep, you heard that right. So head on over to wethefreeshow.com And find a gift for yourself or a loved one to make this Christmas season a little bit freer. A flirtation with Satan has been a subtle part of cultures all over the world in popular culture or pop culture and in subculture, what's happening behind the curtain and what's happening in the dark. There is an ebb and flow to this sort of thing all throughout the ages, but it never truly disappears and it won't because Satan rules over a creation. Jesus called him the prince or ruler of this world, and Paul called him the the God of this world with a little g. Right now, in our culture, there is what is likely the highest level of satanic infatuation there has ever been. We have government-appointed employees who openly sport satanic imagery because it coincides perfectly with their lifestyles. Some of these showcase this devilish imagery in their public demonstrations of pride because the two things go hand in hand, and I believe I'm expressing that quite delicately. But then 
There's also the abundance of cultural Marxism that we've talked about extensively on this show, transgenderism, erasure of genuine history and irreverence for truth, logic and knowledge, oppressed versus oppressor, the pandemic of sexual perversity, etc. But what does any of that have to do with Karl Marx, the man? Well, someone named Robert Payne wrote two biographical works on the life and legacy of Karl Marx, the German philosopher and the co-father of communism. Long history short, Marx manufactured a political, economical, and social machine that he proposed would create a utopian society. Unfortunately, his guidebook, The Communist Manifesto, among other works, inspired countless world leaders in the last 200 years to use his formula to force the masses into controlled submission. In a 1999 book called The Black Book of Communism, the authors tabulated the death toll from communist populations in the 20th century. Here are some of the, num- some of the numbers they cited. In the Soviet Union, the USSR, there were 20 million deaths. In China, 65 million deaths. Vietnam, 1 million deaths. In North Korea, there's been 2 million deaths. In Cambodia, another 2 million deaths. In Eastern Europe, 1 million deaths. In Latin America, there's been 150,000 deaths. And in Afghanistan, 1.5 million deaths. How could over 100 million people, 100 million people die under the system which was supposed to deliver such prosperity and bliss and utopianism? Well, maybe it was, it was all a lie or, or a deception. And as Christians, we believe there is no greater liar and deceiver than the one who fell from heaven, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan. That's how John described him. Peter described him as a prowling lion seeking someone to devour. Jesus described him as a murderer from the beginning who is the father of lies. Robert Payne closely examined the private musings of Karl Marx. Apparently, Marx was very much into poetry. Payne said, Marx was devoted to poetry. Poetry was in his blood, and he could no more think of living without poetry than living without his vision of a communist world. In other words, poetry was something extremely important and valuable to him. One of Marx's favorite poetic works was a German play by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, known as Faust. The main character, Heinrich Faust, is a scholar frustrated with academics, so he's turned to supernatural approaches like dark magic. And at one point in this early part of the play, Faust has inscribed a pentagram, a five-pointed interconnected star symbol, on his front door where he lives. And just keep in mind, this is 1808, so long time ago. But Faust in the, in the play, he goes for a walk and he's followed home by this stray dog. Well, the dog transforms into this character known as uh, Mephistopheles, otherwise known as Mephisto, who is a representative of Satan. He's representative of the devil. Mephistopheles claims the pentagram on the door was an invitation to enter Faust's study, 
That's important. Save that for later. But Faust ultimately makes a deal with Mephistopheles, a deal with the devil, which he signs with his own blood. Please don't don't forget any of these details. It's really important. He uses this deal to get the woman he loves, but it ultimately ends in the death of several characters, including the mother of his child drowning their illegitimate child. Now, Robert Payne said that Marx could recite long passages of Goethe's Faust with gusto with a special preference for the speeches of Mephistopheles. For example, Marx's favorite line of Mephistopheles was, Everything that exists deserves to perish. If you've ever read or studied communism or Marxism, you can see the direct connection there. Everything everything that exists deserves to perish. However, Marx not only studied poetry, he wrote poetry. He wrote poetry himself. And one of his poems was titled, The Player, in which he describes, as Paul Kingor notes, a violinist who, in a delirious frenzy, summons up the powers of darkness with his furious strings. Here's the first stanza of that poem. It says, The player strikes up on his violin, his blonde hair falling down. He wears a sword at his side and a wide, wrinkled gown. Now, this is a very similar description of Marx's actual appearance. He was a messy and unkempt man, hairy and disorderly. Now, someone in this story is going to question the player. O player, why playest thou so wild? Why the savage look in thine eyes? Why the leaping blood, the soaring waves? Why tearest thou thy thy bow to shreds? So he looks crazy as he plays his violin so furiously that his, his bow is shredding into pieces. And the player responds, I play for the sake of the thundering sea, crashing against the walls of the cliffs, that my eyes be blinded and my heart burst and my soul resound in the depths of hell. This sounds like someone being tormented, but as if it's someone who is practically in love with the torment. The player is violently playing his music, destroying the instrument as he plays, suffering as he does it. And now he's questioned again. O player, why tearest thou thy heart to shreds? In mockery? This art was given thee by a shining God to elevate the mind into the swelling music of the starry dance. This person questioning the player asks, why he's shredding his heart. And that reveals this isn't just about music or the violin. It's about the person. It's about the player. He's shredding his own heart. And the bystander, the other person in the story, suspects the player is mocking God because music and and your ability to play it was, was not meant for this. Now look at how the player responds. Look now. My blood-dark sword shall stab unerringly within thy soul. God neither knows nor honors art, 
The hellish vapors rise and fill the brain till I go mad and my heart is utterly destroyed. The player stabs the bystander with his blood-dark sword as he mocks God, saying that God doesn't know art, but I'll tell you who does. The hellish vapors are rising and they're filling my brain. And he says, see the sword. The prince of darkness sold it to me, for he beats the time and gives the signs ever more boldly I play the dance of death. It goes on from there. But the player is misusing his musical gifts to act as a vessel for the prince of darkness or Satan. Instead, his violin and his sword are instruments of death. Two things creating a a new demonic melody to which the player dances. And in the process... He takes the lives of the innocent, the bystander, asking confused questions. There are a handful of other poetic works that Marx crafted, which we could reference, but this poem by Marx, the player, is perfectly reminiscent of Goethe's Faust, making a deal with the devil. It's perfectly ironic with the fictional story of the player and the real outcomes of communism. And while some may suggest that Marx was literally possessed, you can clearly see the influence, or at a minimum, an obsession with the Lord of Darkness, the God of this world, or the Prince of the Power of the Air. That means these musings and meditations of of his ultimately beget what is surely the most deadly philosophy the world has ever known. A miniature version of this, and a seemingly innocent one, is what many Americans do on Halloween. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on it in this episode, but I've already spent an entire episode explaining that Halloween is, is mostly the trivializing of that which is evil. Some Christians throughout time have suggested that Halloween was created as a mockery to the devil, but I would just argue that it does the exact opposite. It desensitizes people to the unholiness of evil. And I don't want to dismiss the overt acts of Satanism, though they may be few in comparison to the second kind mentioned before, that, that most are just most people are just being rebellious and, and trying to be shocking and trendy. But there are many legitimate examples of satanic flattery. Um, Andrea Peterson recently uh, listed for World Magazine some of these things in the world, saying fellowship with demons is exactly what the after-school Satan club has in mind for your children. Their satanic temple website disdains faith, saying we prefer to give children an appreciation of the natural wonders surrounding them, not a fear of everlasting otherworldly horrors. That sounds an awful lot like climate worship, doesn't it? She says, not to be outdone, the Walker Art Center in Minneapolis on August 5th held a family-friendly demon-summoning event, your tax dollars at work, titled Lilith the Empathetic Demon. This 
folk and uh, mythological character, also known as Lilith, is historically depicted as a seductress with demonic attributes, a female demon. But today, in our society, she's a symbol of female empowerment. Peterson also notes that in 2019, the Rio de Janeiro Carnival paraded a massive float titled O Salvador da Patria, the savior of the homeland, dedicated to the goat Ioyo. Now, Brazil and Rio de Janeiro is, is home to the, the world-renowned statue Christ the Redeemer. Yet, in 2019, they, they had a parade in which they held a goat named Yo-Yo as the savior of the homeland. She continues, The 2016 Swiss Goddard Tunnel opening, attended by European world leaders featured a profane goat man being worshipped and fed lambs with a woman riding a beast and drunk on the blood of the saints. Dishonorable mentions for blasphemies go to the Molech spectacle in the 2022 Commonwealth Games in Birmingham and the now depressingly regular Super Bowl and Grammy events. I'll talk about the goat references in just a second. But first, she references the Molech spectacle. Yeah, that was the opening ceremony of the Commonwealth Games in 2022, which is like the Olympics, but specifically very European. Watch this. Now, supposedly, that was all supposed to be about the liberation of women who worked in the steel factories there. It was super woke, but just take a look at Leviticus 18.21. In this verse, God says to the Israelites, You shall not give any of your offspring to offer them to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Molech was a Semitic false deity the god of the Ammonites, who was worshipped with, get this, child sacrifice. I'll just let that one sit for a minute. But take a look at some artistic renderings of the false idol god Molech. You can see in both of these images that this was a giant bull-like creature with horns a a bovine face, and and human qualities. I'll also talk about the Grammy situation in just a moment. But first, Peterson made a couple mentions of of goats in Brazil and in Switzerland. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46, Jesus shares a parable about the sheep and the goats. He's talking about his coming earthly reign when he says, All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them uh, from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. This is a judgment which will precede the millennial reign of Christ in which he's separating everyone into two groups depicted as sheep 
and goats. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So the sheep are described as righteous in the passage, and they inherit the kingdom. Then verse 41 says, Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46 says, These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. To state it simply, the sheep are the righteous Christians who go to heaven, while the goats are the unrighteous, unbelievers, who go to hell. Now, all of this stuff is, is not filler. I'm, I'm telling you all of this for a reason. All of this is going to tie together in the end, so pay close attention. There is a false pagan deity, a, a demonic icon, and a representation of Satan, which is, uh, which is known as Baphomet, that has been around for about 700 years. Take a look at this rendering. Baphomet is often depicted as a hermaphroditic being with both male and female characteristics, human male and female. It typically features a goat's head and feet, angelic wings, a torch between its horns, a pentagram on its forehead, and a caduceus, that's the the staff with two snakes, between its legs. This figure has been the central image and insignia for the occult and the Church of Satan for hundreds of years. Now, before we get to the biblical response to this, we've got to take a a look at how this imagery and this infatuation is revealing itself in American culture. And perhaps there is no better example of this infatuation than in our American music industry. Now, before you say anything, I just want you to know that even though I'm, I'm 31 years old, I have always listened to a very wide range of music from different eras and genres and styles. I know full well how a flirtation with Satanism and, and, and rumors of satanic rituals have circulated in and out of the music industry over the years. I remember the day when I, I learned about subliminal messaging in, in the reversal of tracks. And these devilish rumors go all the way back a, a century ago in American music to Robert Johnson, you know, making a deal with the devil at the crossroads. You've all heard the stories about and, and the songs from the Rolling Stones, Iron Maiden, ACDC, Van Halen, Ozzy Osbourne, and Black Sabbath in the 80s. Um, uh, this is the very reason, in fact, why churches had like vinyl record bonfires and, and refused to allow rock music in the church. It was because the genre was very widely glorifying the God of this world, Satan himself. When you really consider the ways the forces of evil have had influence on society, Maybe the most common medium is that of music. The devil loves to use music to siphon countless souls from the Lord. After all, 
Karl Marx was likely depicting himself as that musician who was being influenced by the, the Prince of Darkness as he played the dance of death. So why is it that music seems to be the most popular vehicle through which Satan drives innumerable lives down the drain? Well, first of all, we know from some of the prophetic writings of Scripture that Satan was once known as Lucifer, and he was the most beautiful of all the angels. He was a head cherub, one of the foremost angels in heaven, and, and many believe he was responsible for music in heaven. The Bible doesn't say this explicitly, but when you reference the context clues in Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19, Isaiah 6, 3, Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, Revelation 4, 8, 5, 8, 12, 4, and 15 do, one can deduce that Lucifer, now known as Satan, was like the worship leader of heaven. And it was in this very position that he abused his gifts just like Marx's violinist, and stole away a third of the angels who have since done this very thing to billions of lives, death, destruction, and distraction. Again, though, why music? Plato said some of the most insightful things in history about music. He once said, rhythm and harmony find their way into the inward places of the soul. In other words, this ancient Greek philosopher that was born some 400 years before Christ, a student of Socrates and the teacher of Aristotle, he understood that music has the rare capability of piercing into a person's soul, just as the Word of God can. Plato also believed certain music should be censored, music which used modes and, and rhythms which evoked unruly and, and undesirable emotions and behavior. And he believed vice, vice versa, that proper music could cultivate positive virtues and morality like courage and temperance and so on. That means he understood music as a medium which affected a person's character. He argued that the wrong kind of music could disrupt the harmony of the soul and the state, like it had a cultural effect. He speaks about much of this in, in The Republic and uh, in another platonic dialogue, The Laws. He emphasizes the importance of musical education and shaping character and once again advocates for the censorship of music that promotes immoderation lawlessness, and immorality. <laughs> what music would that be in 400 BC? Well, nothing similar to today. They were listening to harps and, and lyres and, and uh, aulos. So I'm, I'm not really sure what Plato would recommend, but if you apply this logic to today's music, what music is creating the most undesirable emotions and behaviors? Which genres are promoting immoderation and lawlessness and immorality? Well, coincidentally, it's the genres which express the most infatuation with the Prince of Darkness. For several decades in America, this was 
rock and roll. However, when you consider the present day, expressions of evil are most common in hip-hop, rap, and popular music. I'll start off with one that I'm sure you heard something about. Sam Smith performed at the Grammy Awards earlier this year. He was performing his song called Unholy, which he made and performed with a transgender person named Kim Petrus, who was actually a man named Tim Petrus. I'm not going to show you any of the video because it's sexual, it's demonic, and it's just outright evil. But here's a photo from that, that performance that shows Smith dressed as the devil as he's surrounded by his worshipers. Everything is red. There's fire in the background. Smith and Petrus would go on to win an award that night for that song, which again was called Unholy. A recent example is that of the rapper Young Thug. He is in court right now in Georgia for gang-related issues. Uh, the magazine XXL or XXL reported on a, a bizarre development from the case. It says, Young Thug's attorney, Brian Steele, has filed a motion to have evidence of a goat sacrifice removed from the proceedings. Steele's motion revealed that on March 17th, 2022, police arrested Stillwell, one of Young Thug's associates, for murder in East Point, Georgia, and while in the midst of a religious ceremony which involved the supposed sacrifice of goats. During these animal rituals, worshipers wear all white and sacrifice goats in an effort to bring forth Loa, which can help to run the universe and can grant blessings. Now, Loa has to do with either African pagan worship or Haitian voodoo, one of the two. Either way, it's incredibly demonic, and I'll show you why in just a minute. Either way, you can uh, look all of this up for yourselves later because uh, we don't have time to dig into all of this today. But Young Thug has, has published several images of himself, uh, one covered in blood, dressed like a, a dark angel, and many believe that the blood photos evoke the satanic practice of blood baptism, which is a, a direct mockery of Christian baptism. And in one of his music videos, again, I'm not going to show you, um, there is a woman with a pentagram on her face and devil horns on her head. Uh, he also has a lyric in one of his older songs in which he says, quote, I let the devil get my soul, but I digress. To jump back to an old one that I'm um, not even going to show you any images of is the rapper Lil Nas X, who, if you remember, he took the world by storm with his hit song, uh, Old Town Road, that he uh, re-recorded with Billy Ray Cyrus. It was a huge hit. The music video has over a billion views today, and kids across the country, kids, loved the song. It was so unique because... It was a black cowboy figure rapping over the sounds of, of hip-hop and, and country-western music. Uh, there was even a, a viral video back then of Lil Nas X going into an elementary school to surprise perform the song, and the kids went absolutely nuts. But then, 
everything took a seriously dark turn. He came out as as a gay man, and eventually he made a music video for a song of his called Montero, in which he ends up in hell giving Satan a blank dance. And after he does so, he snaps Satan's neck and places the horns on his own head and, I suppose, becomes the new devil. Now, Rolling Stone magazine literally asked the Church of Satan what they thought about the video. And here's what they said. David Harris, the the magister, like I think that's an equivalent of a bishop for the Church of Satan, said he obviously did his homework. He clearly put a lot of effort into this video. And when asked about when they asked David about the moment where he he crowns himself as the Lord of Darkness, they said that was the most satanic part of the video. He says that because in the Church of Satan, the self is God. The motto is do what thou wilt, or do whatever you please. Do do whatever you want. They try to act like the, the nomenclature, the Church of Satan. It's just tongue-in-cheek, like they're not actually worshiping the devil. And maybe they're not, but they are doing exactly, exactly what Satan wants. The very first temptation ever was Satan telling Adam and Eve to become their own gods. Do what you want to do. Don't listen to him. He's lying to you when he says that you'll die. Just eat whatever you want to eat. Do what thou wilt, and ye shall be as gods. Satan says, I don't care if you worship me. Just don't worship him. Make an idol out of yourself or whatever you want. You know, make it a a golden cow or an androgynous goat, celebrities, success, whatever. Just follow your heart. And, And these are the people who are pleased with Lil Nas X's video, and I'm sure the rest of them. The next infatuation that we'll talk about is another one that happened this year. But once again, something that I I cannot show you anything from because this artist, Doja Cat, is in full body makeup, like literally head-to-toe makeup as a demon or the devil. She's completely nude, which is another hallmark of the devil, but... She's covered in like scales and, and makeup and prosthetics, uh, black. Um, the, the song is called Demons. Um, she's, uh, once again, she's in head-to-toe demonic makeup. She's got red eyes, uh, she, horns and everything. She's crawling on the ceiling. She's, she's shown in a, in a bloodbath, her eyes rolling back in her head. She's in the attic of this house, surrounded by goats. I kid you not. In another video uh, for another song called Paint the Town Red, she's got pentagrams going up her sleeves. She sings a whole verse uh, dressed in a red hood uh, standing next to the Grim Reaper. She's also shown literally doused, like her face is covered in blood. And and then uh, the demon comes back from the other video, and, and she refers to herself in the lyrics as a devil, and a demon lord, then when another chorus comes up, she's dancing with the Grim Reaper, also known as Death. 
So she's doing the dance of death, just like Karl Marx's violinist. This next one I'm going to show you uh, clips of because I think it gives some context to the conversation. Um, these are clips from the weekend's music video for I Can't Feel My Face, which is a, a double entendre for uh, drug abuse and a romantic relationship. But in this video, you can see him performing this song in a nightclub, and nobody's really getting into the music. They're, they're barely acknowledging that he's performing or that, you know, he, it's like he's just background music. Eventually, this person uh, in the front row gets annoyed with him and throws their, their drink on him. And then this, this scary-looking dude comes in and sits front and center. He's just watching. And after listening to some of the song, he ignites his lighter and throws it on the singer. And the singer bursts into flames. As soon as he bursts into flames, the, the crowd... They go nuts. They, they, they just go crazy, and they get super into the song. They're loving it. He's loving it. And what does all of this mean? Well, of course, it's open to interpretation, but um, keep all of these details in mind as I show you this next video. This is Shane Lynch, the lead singer of an Irish band uh, named Boyzone. Um, listen to what he reveals about the music industry. The industry is destructive. So let me take it straight to God um, and straight to, straight, straight to the world as a spiritual world. We have the Holy Spirit that guides us and protects us in the name of Christ. But the spirits, multiple and plural, that the demonic side of the music industry is very real too. That's how I came to God through understanding the demonic side. So I think the industry has um, a way of just taking control of you and many self-destruct uh, scenarios. I was certainly interested in being mysterious. It gave me a character. It gave me some substance that I could hold on to. And why I did that or why I, I portrayed myself and in those ways, uh, I don't know. Maybe I was trying to prove something out of a boy band scenario, perhaps. But also, it intrigued me, the world, the darker side of the world, the Ouija boards, uh, Ouija boards, uh, seances, all that kind of spiritual tar tarot card reading, all that kind of stuff really got a hold of me. And interestingly, that all came from our very first album launch, which you would say, which you would look at very innocently because it was around Halloween, it was a Halloween party in a big mansion, but in that was super demonic, super demonic. But for what, these young kids, it's a, bit of, it's a bit of fun, all the record company are there and all the, the journalists are there and here we go. Well, when I look at the, the way the industry um, has the ruling over music, now, of course, not all music is bad, by all means it's not, but majority of it there is to take you away from Christ, 100% take you away from Christ. In terms of the lyrics, and the, is that what you mean? Or do you mean the industry itself, people, the big players in the industry? Both, lyrically and both big players. Both, um, I've been in rooms at the, the top of the top, which albums are prayed over demonically. 
music is prayed over demonically um, that goes out to the world, goes out to the radio stations, goes out to the public. And when you see that stuff and know that stuff, it's frightening. What do you mean by that, Shane, prayed over demonically? So uh, rituals, ceremonies, everything to bring, um, uh, to give light to, to, to the devil, to Satan. It's, it's a satanic music industry. That's majority of what it is. Do you, do you mean figuratively or do you mean literally you've been in... Literally, yes. And can Not you figuratively. Can you share what those albums were? Um, were they your albums? No, they weren't were they... our albums, no. They were not boys' own albums. Um, so that's what I mean by not every music is that. But it was on the stepping stone to that. So you're going back to the 1993s into 2000s. And then um, if you look at what the music is today, the industry is today, uh, for all your Sam Smiths to your Dojo Cats to your Beyonce's to, they are so demonic, it's unbelievable. And we can't, it's in front of us. Um, it's something that we uh, kind of go, oh, it's just music, but it really isn't. It's absolutely taken over the world, taken over our children and taken over uh, everything that's, that, that's coming to the, the times of, of world crisis. And are you talking about the, the messages that are in those, some of those songs, some of those, that, that some of those artists, you know, share with their fans? Yeah, messages and the glorification of Satan. And it, and it certainly had some kind of influence on you because as you said that you, you started to get very drawn into the dark side and you were interested in witchcraft and Ouija boards and, and that led to some very dark experiences for you personally. Uh -huh. um, can you tell us a bit about what those were and how those came about? It came about just through opening those doors. You know, we've got to be very careful on what doors we knock on. And as soon as you start innocently doing a tarot reading or a Ouija board or a seance or whatever them fun things as kids that we mess around with, you're given grounds to the dark side. Of course you are. You're now engaged. You've opened the door. And once you open doors, they have the rights. They have the rights to, to come in. Um, and I opened many doors and found myself in a very, very angry, very dark place, uh, self-destruct place. Well, that pretty much sums it all up. And, and thankfully, Jesus rescued Shane from all of this darkness. But just as you see depicted symbolically in The Weeknd's music video, so many artists are making deals with these record companies and they're doing whatever they're told to get attention and sell albums. But in doing so, they're opening the door to genuine Satanism, just like Faust in, in, in his study, playing right into his evil schemes, worshiping the self, and, and maybe sometimes worshiping him. How does this happen? Why does something seemingly shallow or, or insignificant lead to something so disastrously destructive? What are we to do as Christians in response to, to this music or, and all this stuff? Well, in 1 Corinthians 8, 4 through 13, Paul says the following. Concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world. There's no such thing. And that there is no God but one, the capital G there. He says that culturally, there's a lot of pagan sacrifice where they, they sacrifice animals to idols or, or false gods. Paul says 
those gods are not real. They, they don't mean anything because they don't exist. There's only one God, and that's the God that we worship. The problem was these pagan worshipers would take the meat that they had sacrificed and, and sell it in the marketplace. And some Christians thought that it was sinful to partake of this meat, to eat this. And Paul didn't really have a problem with it because the meat is sacrificed to nothing. That's kind of the point he's making there. But Paul says, if someone who thinks it's sinful to eat this meat, somebody that thinks it's sinful, sees you eating the meat, and you motivate them or you inspire them to violate their own conscience, what happens? Take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you who have knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died. And so by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. That means even though it's not technically wrong to eat this meat, if you cause your brother to stumble, that act becomes sinful. And Paul says, we sin against Christ, if so. Therefore, his conclusion is to never eat meat again. That's what he says. And, and do you see what a massive change that is? He's gone from, you know, what's the big deal? It's just meat. To the opposite perspective, I'm never going to do it again. And all of this from an attitude of selflessness. He says, it doesn't matter what I think or feel. If it offends my brother or sister and could cause them to sin, I will not abuse my liberty. Now, a couple of chapters later, Paul says this. In 1 Corinthians 10, 18-21, it reads, Are not those who eat the sacrifices sharers in the altar. What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. Okay, hold on a second. What is he saying? He said that those who are worshiping idols are in actuality worshiping and sacrificing to demons without even realizing it. Now, how in the world is that possible? Because it's idol worship. And idol worship is placing anything in importance above the only true God. So what can be an idol? For the Corinthians, it was a literal figure, but success can be an idol. Money can be an idol. Status can be an idol. Food and drink can be an idol. Perhaps the worst and, and most destructive idol worship, though, is the worship of the self. 
And whatever our idol is, the demons and the forces of evil are ready to pounce on it, to capitalize on it, and take advantage of our misguided and sinful worship of anything other than God Almighty. The second thing that we learn from this scripture um, is that things that don't seem evil can absolutely be evil. (laughs) If someone is trying to cliche or jokingly or shockingly evoke the image of the devil or things of demonic character, they're actually playing right into his master plan. And the last thing that we learn here is that Christians must separate, must separate from these things in order to maintain holiness and righteous character. Paul would go on to say in that same passage, I do not want you to to become sharers in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. So what does this mean for us? We need to condemn these things when we see them or hear them. You need to keep your kids as far away from these things as possible. And you need to remove these things from your own life. Stop listening to to this or that music. Stop watching this or that show. You cannot partake of the, the table of the Lord and the table of demons. The two things just don't mix. And hopefully today, you've learned a great deal about how the enemy is using these things to destroy you and the rest of humanity. We've got one more episode left this year on December 31st. I've got Christmas production mayhem for the next two weeks, so I'll be back just in time for a Christmas special and to close out the year with one more episode. I love you all, and I thank you for listening. That's going to do it for me today. Now go and be the salt and light you are meant to be, and I will see you next time on We The Free.